28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlamov shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Billy Lechenov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Steyers. We're two guys talking sports movies. Glad to have you with us. Yeah. As always. All of our listeners. That's right. All of our many, many... Dozens? <laughs> Dare I say. Hey, be sure you can follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can leave comments. You can follow us on Spotify. Where are some other cool podcast places people can find Well, us? your website... WSBTradio.com, of course. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I don't know. Wherever you get podcasts, anywhere you get any podcasts. If you're listening to this, you probably already found us. Yep. (laughs) Today's movie is Miracle from 2004. And this is the story of the 1980 U.S. gold medal winning Olympic hockey team in what, of course, was dubbed the Miracle on Ice. This is one that you've wanted to do. You've set this up since we started. I guess I have, haven't I? Yeah, you kept, like, even in July, you're like, well, then we got Miracle in February. Do Miracle at some point? (laughs) Yeah. How many times do you think you've seen Miracle before doing this? Before? Probably like five times, maybe. Okay. I've seen it a lot. I don't even know how many times it had. As always, I always say this before we do them, it's been a while since I have (laughs) seen it. I would imagine, though, because we tried to, we, we pushed this into February because... This month, February, is the 40-year anniversary of that 1980 Miracle on Ice in Lake Placid, New York. The real event, not the movie. The movie's not 40 years old. The movie's only 16 years old, which is not that old. To me, this is one of the few that seems like it's maybe a little bit older than just 16 years old. Usually I say, oh, I can't believe it's been however many years, but... Yeah. yeah, so this one's been this was the 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 United States first Olympic gold on ice in 20 years. Their last was in 1960. Who had who on the team? Well, Herb Brooks got sent the home. Head coach got sent home right at the end. And we'll kind of talk about okay. that in some of this, but uh so he ends up not quite making that 1960 team, but 20 years later he ends up being the coach of the men's Olympic hockey team. Not real high expectations they had going into Lake Placid. And this is also, the the U.S. men have never won gold since then. Hmm. Even since the addition of well, the, the NHL players and all that stuff. They, they've won a silver, but no gold. I wonder if the addition of NHL players actually helps Canada and helps other countries. Probably so. Because a couple of their good players have been plucked by the NHL. Now mm-hmm. they're going back to play for the Olympics. The U.S. women, they have... They've they've been playing the the women have been playing Olympic hockey for uh, what twenty or so years now. It's funny because I don't even think I realized that the women were playing hockey really until maybe just the last two or three Olympic games. But they've been doing it for several years now. The U.S. women's team has won gold both in nineteen ninety eight in Nagano, Japan, and in two thousand eighteen, the most recent Olympics in South Korea. And of course, their biggest rival is Canada, which is kind of funny because we sort of think as of Canada is, is maybe the 51st state if you live here in the United States. But when it comes to hockey, it's a then big rivalry. That's the one thing Canada's known for, right? Hockey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So when it when it comes to sports movies, Bobby, <laughs> I've been asking you this and was not very clear, apparently, in some of our texts. Well, you know, you text. Sometimes I'm awake. Sometimes I'm asleep. They're... Do you put Miracle on your Mount Rushmore? Of sports movies. In other words, Mount Rushmore has four heads up there, right? Yeah. The actual Mount Rushmore. There are four heads on Mount Rushmore. So, does this make your top four of all-time sports movies? We're going to disagree on this one. I already know. No, it's not. I don't even think it, the movie is is fine. But really, it's just the story. Like, And this movie, I guess, was super close to, like, even the dialogue they said was very similar to what mm-hmm. really occurred. They tried to stay as true as possible to, to the actual events. But just the um, movie. Unlike some other sports movies we've talked about. <laughs> I know what you're inferring. No, but you know what? And we'll get to this when we get to scenes later. But there is one very pivotal scene 
that I was under the impression that was completely fictitious, but it turns out when I researched this thing, it actually happened. They just they took a couple liberties with sort of what might have happened within the scene, but it actually happened, and I had been under the impression that it never happened. But we'll get to that okay. in scene. So continue on why so, this is not on your Mount Rushmore. I don't know. It's a, it, The story itself might be one of the best sports stories of all time, mm-hmm. but something about this movie just doesn't click to me to the point where it's one of the top four sports movies of all time. Interesting. Okay. And I can understand that. You're a little bit younger. You were born after this happened. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't alive for the real event. Yeah, you were to Ville. And that's why, to me, I am not, and I've said this before. I think I said this when we did Slapshot. I've said it when we've done some other. I'm not a hockey fan by any means. I don't watch the NHL. And it's not because I hate, you know, hockey players or whatever. I just have never been been able to get into hockey because I grew up in Kansas a rectangle <laughs> in the middle of the country. There's no hockey around. Right. Right. So, but I have always watched Olympic hockey, like especially when, when the teams are good, like the, the, the women's gold medal team a couple of years ago, I watched a bunch of their games and it, and to me, it almost kind of reminds me more because they're, they are still amateurs. They're college players. Like these men were, it reminds me more of that 80 team. But I was, I can remember sitting in my parents' basement, 1980. <laughs> watching, watching this game. Watching this game specifically and some of the other games as well. And I remember that USA, USA, and just everything about it. So it resonates a little bit more to me. And I remember when I saw this movie for the first time in 2004 when it came out, I thought it was the best sports movie ever made. Wow. And I realize maybe that's a little bit of you know, there's some hyperbole and and some some well, more, you know, instantaneous type sure. stuff that goes along with it, some nearsightedness maybe, but it, and and I and I also realize kind of sitting back and looking at it that it is tied to kind of like that is some nostalgia for me. That that's tied to my youth and I and I actually remember those things happening. So all of that kind of wrapped in, but I mean, this was made in 2004, and I cannot name very many sports movies that have been made since then that I think are better than Miracle, or at least the story of right, Miracle. Well, the story is iconic. There's so many, not necessarily movies, there's documentaries, there's all kinds of stuff out there yeah, about this. I'm not this. talking about documentaries. No, and I, I know, I'm just okay, saying. Okay, you're talking about this I'm just saying how good the story is. There's so much meat yeah. on the bone there that there is a lot to it. I'm just talking in terms of like a movie. Uh, like Kirk Russell doesn't do it for me. He's okay. A, you're not a big Kurt Russell fan, and then I you, think this is one of the all-time Kurt Russell performances. And we should mention this is a Disney movie, and we've talked about that before. Blindside was a Disney movie. Sure. We haven't done Blindside yet, but remember the Titans was a Disney movie. Have we done any other Disney's? I don't think we have. Have we? Was Caddyshack a Disney movie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because in the speech that we'll get to in a little bit, in our favorite scenes. The closest they come to a swear word is when Kurt Russell, as Herb, Herb Brooks says, screw them, when he's talking about the Soviets. Screw is the closest yeah. thing to a swear word they say in this. Again, it's a Disney movie. But I don't think you have a lot of the Disney schmaltz. Uh, I don't think you have a lot of the over-dramatization that you get in a lot of the Disney movies, especially when it comes to sports. I think the... I think Kurt Russell's performances, because like if you're going to look at Kurt Russell, I think that Kurt Russell detractors would say, well, maybe he's too over the top sometimes. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know how much no, you've seen, right? But like you can go back to Tombstone, a movie that I really like. But there are parts of Tombstone where you can go, ah, maybe he's a little maybe out there. Kurt should have dialed it yeah. down a little bit there. But I think Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks, just the sort of gruffness, gruffness. The, I don't want to say seething intensity, but the quiet intensity that he has in a lot of this, I think it is right in the Kurt Russell wheelhouse. of This, is, this was just a role that was perfect for Kurt Russell. And I guess I see that sometimes I had a hard time with it because of how gruff he was, and I thought maybe that might have been overdone. But then I read that that's not true. That was funny because... And as I didn't know that going in. No, so. again, and I didn't either. Because you always wonder when you see And again, we've addressed some of this in some of the other podcasts that we've done. Stuff that's based on a true story. You always wonder what's real, what was fictionalized, what was Hollywoodized, and all that kind of stuff. But it's funny because there's the scene, for example, where Herb goes over 
to the Christmas. trainer's house oh, for Christmas. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the yeah. team is there, yeah. but they're at the trainer's house, yeah. I think, right? The And so he goes over there for Christmas, and the players were like, there was no Herb Brooks warm and fuzzy coming over and, and exchanging Christmas presents. He was ne- We were never close to Herb Brooks. We all respected him, but none of us were ever close to Herb Brooks. The exact line was, we respected him, but I wouldn't say that we liked him. <laughs> exactly. And Herb wasn't going to holiday parties with players, and he wasn't coming up with cute nicknames for them either. <laughs> That's exactly right. But I mean, so that, but that, he also makes no bones about that in, in, in a lot of the lines that he has either. It's not about, I'll be your coach, I won't be your friend at the, at the tryout. Specifically says differently, yeah. but... And then in real life, he had the other coach that was kind of the player's coach. Right. And he even said to him. Craig Patrick. Right. Assistant. He said, take care of it. Yeah. Take care of everything. Well, and that's what he said. If, if you want a friend, yeah. Coach Craig, he's yeah. your guy. Yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah. So Kirk Russell did a, a good job. Just to me, I was like. That guy, that kind of guy is not going to fly in today's world, though. I thought about that a couple different times. Because the well, more you, the, the more, and I mean, this gets talked about all the time when when these young coaches are hired, whether it's baseball, basketball, NFL, wherever, all you hear about is player-coach relationships. Right, and some of those coaches, they get run out of town pretty quick yeah. based on small things. Yep. Then, you know, like some of those, like Mike Leach, though, he came back. Mike Leach is a little different <sighs> in a lot of different ways. He was kind of Marches the poster the boy for this own, for a minute, though. Yeah. The poster boy of, like, the Being anti-relationship. Yeah. yeah, because of the stuff with... Craig James' son yeah. is an example. That Which was went on at weird Texas anyway. Yeah. But even last year they lost a game and he was talking about how his team was terrible and he right. doesn't back up his players. And so here's my sports movie Mount Rushmore okay. that I'm laying out right now. This is always subject to change. Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. This is in no particular order. Hoosiers, Bull Durham, Rocky, Miracle. That's my Mount Rushmore. You're laughing at that? Yeah. You're laughing at my personal opinion. All right, this podcast is over. We will talk to you. Well, I think I'm Mount Rushmore. You should just have the movie Rudy four times on it. Come on now. Did I ever? Did I ever even hint that I was that I okay. was that deep on Rudy? All right, maybe come two, on now. Maybe Rudy the replacements. No, I'm kidding. What would be your four? <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I think I'd have Rocky and Hoosiers on there. Oh, that's why that, I was laughing. That's why you're laughing. Okay, you're not laughing at me. You're laughing with me. And then I'm thinking you're, about, you're thinking. My God, all these dis- all these good disagreements that we've had, and now when it comes down to nickel and dime, and, and it is time, it is on the line, I actually agree with this. And then I'm thinking something. I need a baseball movie, so I'm trying to think if it's Field of Dreams or Major League. Okay. So I'd, I'm going to say Major, Field of Dreams. Major League will be doing right. when uh, baseball season starts here in a yeah. couple months. Um, but I put Field of Dreams up there, and then I don't know if the fourth one, I'd probably put Remember the Titans. Yeah. I was a big fan of that movie. I'm still, you know. And that was a Disney one. Remember the Titans was, I think I've told you, it was at the top of my football list for a long time. And I would still probably put it number two on my football list behind Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I forgot about Friday Night Lights. That one's really good, too. But it's not. Neither one of those quite. And and again, I completely, can like, when you look at Rocky and Miracle, especially, both of those, to me, like, tight in my childhood and, and you've got specific stories and with miracle especially you've got the patriotism and just everything else that goes See, with it and that's remember the titans for me that that story was before my time but that yeah. movie came out right when i was in high school yeah so it's nostalgia to me yeah and i say childhood it's more you know well, like late you know early teens whatever it happens to be vision quest doesn't make the list for you <laughs> vision quest very good movie, but not quite on that Mount Rushmore. <laughs> $28 million budget for Miracle. Made $64 million. Not bad. They doubled their money, so not bad. See, some of these budgets we go over. I would have thought it would have been more, though, just because of the what we were just talking about with the nostalgia and the amount of people who know about the Miracle on Ice. And I didn't find anything on this, but whoever was assigned to this project for Disney obviously wanted to do it right. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to make sure they stayed on par with the real story. Um, Kirk Russell had to take a pay cut at one point. I did see that. That's in here in my notes. Because uh, the 800 to 1,000 extras could have a hot, full meal instead of just a brown bag lunch. That's right. Very so, nice of Kurt Russell. I wonder how much of a pay cut that was. <laughs> Good question. Her he play he of course plays Herb Brooks, and 
Herb Brooks unfortunately died during the principal photography of the movie, and they, and they make the dedication to him mm-hmm. at the end. But Kurt Russell started acting when he in 1962. He was 11 years old. His first this was his first hit in several years. In seven years after a consecutive, you know, kind of string of some eh. Soldier in 98, he appeared in the movie Vanilla Sky in 2001 in a supporting role, which I didn't even realize. <laughs> Go all the way back to 1986, The Best of Times with Robin Williams. You're going to skip right over Captain Ron? Well, I, that, that'll, we're, we're working our okay. way through right. there. Right. I don't know if I've got Captain Ron in there. 1992. But Ron Shelton, Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump, 10 Cup writer, he wrote The Best of Times that okay. Russell did. In 87, he does Overboard with Goldie Hawn, who, of course, he that ends was- up... In a relationship, I don't think they've ever actually married, but in a relationship since 83, they met while filming The One and Only, which, whatever, whatever, yeah. Um, Tequila Sunrise in 88 with Mel Gibson and Michelle Pfeiffer. That was a a well-known movie. Yeah, fairly big hit. Tango and Cash, I'm sure you've heard of that, with Stallone Mm -hmm. in 89. Backdraft with De Niro and Billy Baldwin. That was a really good movie. Have you seen that? Yeah. About firemen, firefighters. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Tombstone in 93 with Sam Elliott, Val Kilmer, of course, Bill Paxton. And then really after that, it's been kind of up and down. Yeah, that was 93. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff, but when you talk about hits, Hateful Eight in 2015, and then, of course, he was also just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's also in the Fast and Furious franchise now. Yep. Something... A hockey tie-in that didn't exist necessarily. Well, maybe it existed when they were filming this. Kurt and Goldie have a son named Wyatt, Wyatt Russell. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff or know who he is. He was a big amateur hockey player growing up. Like, he played juniors and was, like, one of these, like, really trying to become an NHL hockey player. And so he was really deep into it. He has since, he's right around your age, like 33. He is an actor just like mom and dad now. He's on an AMC series called Lodge 49, which is pretty funny. I've seen the first couple seasons of that. He's done a movie called Overlord. He's been in 22 Jump Street. Yeah. A lot of different stuff. I think I have heard that he was in something. I didn't know that that was his son. but That is him. That is him. So tie in there to hockey in personal life, but something else that was really interesting, and I'm sure you saw this, during the real-life ABC broadcast of – the the miracle on ice, the U.S. versus the USSR hockey game, ABC ran two commercials for a made-for-TV film yeah. called Elvis. Who starred? Kurt Russell. As? As Elvis. Elvis, yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Who would have thought? And, of yeah. course. Full circle. Yeah, and in addition, well, yeah, he ends up playing Herb Brooks later on. Did One other sports tie that I wanted to mention. Sure. Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell, was an actor who also owned an independent league baseball team called the Portland Mavericks. That's a terrific documentary. I've seen that. Have you seen it? It is wonderful. Kurt Russell played second base for that team well, those in rec- the 1970s. Well, yeah. the, not when they got good. but yeah. Well, but he was a minor. He played in yeah. the minor leagues for a yeah. couple years as well. But Kurt Russell played for them. Yeah, the Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's on Netflix. They were the last remaining independent, truly independent mm-hmm. uh professional, I guess you would describe yeah. it as. They played against organized teams. Right. Like now. Like tied with the Cubs or yeah. tied with the whoever's. Right. And they, now all the all the independent teams just play against each other. They don't get to play the organized teams. Would they have like three good years and then, teams. then yeah. they started getting plucked? Like right. any of the good players got signed? Exactly. But yeah, it was a really good documentary. I would like to see Kurt Russell play his dad, Bing, in a movie about this. And then you could have Wyatt, his son, playing play Kurt. Him. The second baseman for that. Wouldn't That'd that be, be cool? It would. And I don't know how, why that documentary hasn't gotten more buzz in the sports world. I don't either. Because a lot and, of people haven't heard of and it. And I just, it was one of those things where I'm sitting there flipping around through Netflix and I was like, battered bastards of baseball. What is this? And then I roll up and it's like, oh, Same, cool. I just had like 20 minutes. I was like, I guess I'll start it. Then I end up sitting down and watching the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, I've done a lot of talking well, so he, far. What do, you, also, what do you want to hit? I know you want to hit something. No. Well, I want to hit you. <laughs> That's every but day. But I'm not a player's coach. So. <laughs> right. Um, Kurt Russell, or yeah, he also was I like that. left-handed, or he was right-handed but had to learn to be left-handed for this role because some of those 
scenes where he's writing was with his left hand. So he really went authentic just yeah. because he had just because Herb was right handed. So you're talking about how deep he got into the role. It's interesting. It's pretty well, neat. and when you look at it, he is really the only known commodity in this movie because right. you've got Patricia Clarkson as his wife. She's been around, but not necessarily a household name. And even saying it's a supporting role is a stretch in this. Right. Right. And yet she has very small role in this. Noah Emmerich, who plays Coach Craig Patrick, he's really the only other like prominent. You've seen him. Yeah. yeah. He's, he was, and this was in 2004. It wasn't until 2013. He did a series on FX called The Americans. I don't know if you ever oh, watched yeah. that. Really good show. And most of their shows irony, are. But it was, he was an FBI agent who was trying to find Russians living as Americans. You know, this is Russia. Russians living. Yeah. And, and so he's doing the Soviets here. But that's really. Well, you had. He's, uh, done, a, he's done like some things, but not a whole lot of other things. Yeah. You had Billy Schneider in this. Buzz's yeah. son, yeah, real life son, the, the son, and that's that's kind of kind of going back to Friday Night Lights. It's it's very similar where the cast for this mm-hmm. it was cast based on their ability to play hockey, exactly, or even Hoosiers for right. that, maybe yeah. even more Hoosiers than Friday Night Lights, where it was about the hockey playing. Where yeah, like you said, you had uh, Buzz Buzz Schneider's son playing him in the movie, which so that's is a pretty cool, cool tie in, yeah, but. Uh, so what time of day was this game when it aired originally? So the game actually took place in the afternoon. The, like On live. a weekend? I can't remember day of the Did week. it air live? No. And that's what I was going to. It did Sorry, not air live. This was, I mean, 1980. Right. That's why I was asking. They I was tape curious. delayed it. So it takes pl- and think about that today. Did you get on Twitter in that time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no internet. I mean, you could do that because now when like the Olympics are in Japan or Korea or Australia or Germany or wherever it happens to be, you see stuff tape delayed all the time. And they've steered into the the results. Yeah. They'll say, and coming up, watch so and so's gold runner. medal run. Yeah. Yeah. And, like the stuff gets out because you've got ESPN and you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, whatever it happens to be. You can't get away from or live embargoing re- results. Yeah, you can go on the internet and watch it live. But this was it was played in the afternoon at like maybe two or three o'clock, and then they replayed it in prime time seven eight o'clock later that night on ABC. And most of America had no idea what happened when this game when this game was being televised. That's kind of crazy. I know. Well, that's what they used to do in Indiana for the Indianapolis five hundred because it gets blacked out in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. So they wouldn't air it till prime time. Okay. But back then, nobody would know who won. What's interesting, So though, I wonder what the ratings for this were. Good question. But I have no idea. Back then, you know, again, you're talking about primarily three networks. You don't have CNN. You don't have any of the cable news networks. You don't have any of that. And it's Olympics, stuff. which is already yeah, high rated. The Olympics, you don't even have ESPN that you're com- – or ESPN is in its infancy, so mm-hmm. it's not really a, a, a viable – When did they start, 81? I, I, wanted, I wanted to say – like late 79, okay, something so like were. that. So maybe right around the same time. What's interesting, though, I just wanted to get this final point out about the cast of the players. The Looking at the IMDb's, they have like between three, right. five, six, ten total credits in their careers. Here's the I- ironic twist, though. This guy named Kenneth Davis, the actor who played Ralph Cox, Okay. Ralph Cox, the last player who gets cut from the team right. to get down to 20 to go to Lake Placid, that actor has 58 IMDb credits, which is basically probably more than all than, the rest of the cast. Than any of the rest of the, of the guys combined. Yeah. Wow. So he's <laughs> so been the guy, in a lot. The, the actor who plays the guy who gets cut has more acting credits over the course of his career since then with 58. Well, that's why he was too focused on his acting than he was on his skating. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> More than 4,000 guys auditioned for the 20 roles of the U.S. Olympic hockey team, though. A sad note also, I don't know how to say the last name. I'm going to butcher it. Michael Mantenuto, who played Jack O'Callaghan, O.C., mm-hmm. he left acting. To, I'm sure you saw this. He left acting to join the Army, fought ISIS in Iraq and Syracuse as a Green Beret, and uh, took his own life yeah. in April 2000. 17 sounded like some P- PTSD type stuff. So really sad and and one of the one of the more memorable 
guys, I think, characters. Because he's the the one that got hurt before the Olympics in that exhibition game against... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, The movie had 280 miles of film shot. That's amazing. Which is way... I don't know what the average is. It says that's the most of any Disney movie, Mm -hmm. which I guess is kind of weird because most Disney movies are animated. Yep. So, but... We've talked a lot about, again, the depicting true stories and how Hollywood Hollywoodizes things, but this film is considered to be one of the most accurate depictions of true events, including a lot of the dialogue that took place. One of the outliers, the McCallahan and O.C. fight at practice, <laughs> never took place. That's one of the very few things. To show that one, they're from different uh, colleges. Yeah. Right, and they end up, like the first introductions where he said, what's your name, who do you play for, right. when he kind of starts setting up, and of course they always would answer with their name and whatever the college was, because there was that East Coast-Boston-Minnesota rivalry right. they had there. Uh, the game also, the game against the Soviets was, was filmed in Vancouver <laughs> at the PNE Agrodome. An that's, arena featured in another legendary U.S. That's, versus USSR battle. battle. Rocky versus uh, Ivan Drago. Yeah, and Rocky Four. That we'll be doing that you. in the near future. Yeah, that was that was a neat little tidbit. Mm-hmm. All right, any any kind of other little tidbits that you want to get into before we start doing some lines and scenes and stuff like that? Um, did you see uh, Al Michaels actually revoiced a lot of the stuff that he had? Yeah, and you could tell. Like we played at the beginning of the podcast, we had the, the do you believe in miracles, the final call, but you can hear. That one was legit. That, yeah, that's yeah. what I was getting ready okay. to say. You can hear where it transitions from mm-hmm. when he's in a studio doing some of the voiceover stuff compared to when it gets live. There's, there's a big difference in just the quality of sound. And I can tell you, as a guy who does play-by-play, and there was, there was a call a few years back that I had that the audio quality was really bad just because of the the setup, the equipment that we had to use. It was really garbled. And we tried to get in the studio and recreate it. And it is just really hard (laughs) to do. Emotion. Yeah, just just because of the natural emotion and just the way your voice sounds and like... Over the crowd even. Yeah, yeah, the crowd and the background noise and just being able to sit there and see it happen versus, you know... Trying to go back and do it again, you're just you just get a lot different sound. Not only in you can tell the difference between a, the, the studio quality, like right right now the, the microphones, yeah, that, that we're recording into, and also just just the natural intonations of your voice. It is really hard to recreate that kind of stuff. Do you want to share what what team that was for? I will not. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, it doesn't matter. It wasn't okay. Team USA. Well, so. Yeah. <laughs> It does not matter. Yeah. Uh, did your opinion change at all? Not really. I like. I I think I came off a little negative earlier. I'm no negativity towards this I didn't movie think at you all. Were negative. I didn't. Think I you just were don't negative. think it's on the you Mount just Rushmore. Put it on the high echelon. But I think in terms of sports story, would you call real, it? Would you call it top ten? Yeah. Okay. And like I said, sports story. The other one, like Hoosiers, was not real. True. So this the, is actually yeah. the story itself would be in a top yeah. four story of all time, probably okay. number one. Because right. we are 40 years later, and it's still one of the most talked about things. Yeah, My opinion didn't change. Still think it's a good movie. Still think still it's... Still put on best yep. sports movie ever. Yeah, I put it in my... Well, I wouldn't say best... I don't, I don't know if it's best... That's why Mount Rushmore's fun, because yeah. it's just a grouping. You and, don't have to rank it. And just it. what you said, the way those other movies are made, and a lot of... Maybe... I'm One thing that I have thought about, if Disney hadn't done this, how would it be different? Like if HBO made it. Yeah. Or even... Anyone you know, Peter else. Berg, Peter yeah. Berg, who made Friday Night Lights, for example, how would how would it would it would it have been noticeably different the way they did things? Hmm. One thing I was curious about throughout this movie, and they kind of played it in this movie, and I wasn't sure if it was real. Was the whole country following USA Hockey this whole time, or was it kind of like spur of the moment once they got to the medal round? I think with everything, what happens at the Olympics is based on. The story of the moment, right? Right. Because it's like you're, you're going through an Olympic. Eric Hyden is an example. Eric Hyden, a track skater, was dominated at Lake Placid. And I remember watching some of that as well. What was cool and unique about that was their tracks were actually outdoors. Like where right. now you have these velodromes and all that kind of stuff. It's all indoor tracks. But Eric Hyden 
dominated there. And so a lot of the coverage that you were getting was Eric Hyden because he was dominating. And now here's Eric Hyden going up for another gold medal. And I think everything that happens in the Olympics is... And that was You've speed got, skating. Yeah, speed yeah. skating. Yeah, the, the track right. speed skating. The long skating. one, yeah. Yeah, not the short track. No. I don't even know if they did short track back but then. But the, the kind that Bonnie Blair be, did. Yeah, exactly. Or even Anton Apollo Ono. Is, well, that was a short track. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but what I'm saying is you don't know who any of these people are until the Olympics right. come around, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's a medal contender. And it was the same with this team as well because, again, it had been, okay, 64, 68, 72, 76 because the – the winter and summer used to be in the same, same years year back then. So you had had four Olympics go by. This was the fifth Olympics since that 1960. Which is 20 Olympic years. Gold. Yeah, 20 years had passed. And as they set up in that meeting in one of the first scenes, they hadn't really even been that competitive in a lot of these Olympics since then. So there were really no expectations because the Soviets were so dominant and the U.S. was – essentially just putting together another team of amateurs to go out there and get see slaughtered. What, see what could yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and this was the last Olympics before they allowed the NHL players. Right. So well, Was it? Was 84 when they started? Uh, I thought they said towards the end of the movie that they were like, well, they said this that, would be the last. They said because they had the voiceover. They said that they started allowing, because I think there were two guys from this team that played on the 84 team as well. Okay. But. Sure. It changed. Not as big a deal. Yeah. 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 Well, that's well. then the Russian guys, they showed in another documentary I watched. I know it's not. Yeah, we've talked about that. But that's, that they, that's all they did year-round. documentary. Yeah. Was play hockey. They were, and a lot of them were military and stuff like that, and they were essentially just paid by the state to go play hockey. Big difference compared to the United States. And I guess in the locker room, the, the Russian coach really went after his players after this game. Oh, really? Bl- placed blame on the goalie and their captain, or their center. I can see that. Saying that you lost this. This is your loss. Yeah. Which is he just kick a guy while he's down. in the yeah. world, boys. <laughs> yeah. And so they both, both goalies gave up two goals. So Yeah. Anything new that you noticed? Not no, noticed, but um, I thought it was weird that the guy scored the goal at the end of the first period. I didn't know that was real. I thought that was like Hollywood. Oh, really? With one second left? Yeah, like all of... Now, there are some minor things, that, and like if you go online, you can see, well, this happened here and this, but all the, all the goal-scoring stuff was completely authentic. Which it is, was, they tried to recreate it as Even best the way they, they dumped it in and then yeah. was kicked out well, and, and like scored. That, that Arruzioni, the final goal against the Soviets, kind of the way in that... I didn't even really think they shot it that well, but it was really yeah. iconic just the way he was like... Pumping his arms and his legs on the ice after he shot that goal. That was a really iconic shot back then. But, yeah, I mean, they, I th- they recreated all that pivotal stuff as close to a T as they could. I, I liked all of that. And then even at the end, the way they were celebrating against the glass, I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. Right. But I almost wished that they had just either replicated the camera angles. Because they didn't replicate the angles. You're down on the ice. The way that the, way that, that the real ones that yeah. we're used to seeing looked. Yeah. Or, or could they have spliced in that real footage? Or would that have been too good one too? Real versus fiction. Well, you know, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you haven't seen it yet, right? Correct. Margot Robbie is she's very talented. She is, <laughs> <laughs> and she's she's sitting there in a movie theater watching on screen a movie that she's playing Sharon Tate, and she is watching a movie that Sharon Tate was in. She's supposed to be watching herself huh. on screen, and they actually used. The, the real the footage version. from the real thing. Yeah, the real Sharon Tate, which made it a little bit, you know, it took, it took kind of a couple seconds to figure yeah. out at first because you don't see Margot Robbie up there. You're seeing the real. And Sharon Tate, as much as I think we all kind of know her name because of the Manson things, it's like yeah. we don't necessarily know her face right. as well. But, yeah, but they, they actually used the real thing up there. Well, that's pretty cool. I think I think it might have been hard for this just because of the fact that it was all it's not like film right or video whatever they happen to be using you would have been using tv footage abc's tv footage i mean they use the tv audio what's the yeah difference you, and you did get a little bit of that like on the yeah. tv monitors yeah at the end sure yeah they showed or even like the commercials they showed the mean joe green commercial yeah that was cool top. that was cool yeah flashback all right you want to do lines? Sure. Okay. You go first. All right. So Herb, the hockey committee guy, 
who said that he didn't want the team to get embarrassed. He said, uh, well, three years ago, we lost to the Czech B team. All due respect, but I don't think we can embarrass <laughs> ourselves anymore. Right. <laughs> and that's probably true, right? Yeah. They were losing yeah. to just about everybody. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's again, that's going to happen mm-hmm. because the way the U.S. has always done things, they've kind of tried to stay to that amateurism. And it, the, the Olympic Committee wanted that, but they, these, these state-funded teams back then because the Czech Republic or not Czech Republic Czechoslovakia back then they were behind the Iron Curtain so they were essentially part of, not the Soviet Union but they were part of the well, Eastern Bloc so what year was the first dream team uh 92 that was the first one 92 Barcelona that was that was Barkley Bird Magic all those guys Jordan so it was Jordan on the 84 team because he was in college so I think he was yeah so that's why I remembered him being um, so that's why you thought that, right, that yeah. was the first dream yeah. team. Yeah, so the first actual NBA you know, basketball was dream team was 92. Yeah. So then that's where we really went away from that amateur style to right. let's just win everything. Right. Because with basketball, they just went the other way on that. Yeah. We were the Soviets. Yeah. Yeah, that's time. exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, kind of in that same scene, I wrote down that uh, he wrote or he said, we need to change the way we play the game. Right. Cause he said the way we're playing, we're getting beat by everybody. Yep. Not even close. I've got most of my lines are Herb, by the way. I'm not looking for the best players, Craig, when he's talking to the assistant coach of the tryouts. I'm looking, I'm for, looking the, for the right ones. Yeah. And again, it all just goes back to I'm really surprised. And that's what I would like to know sort of how much that process is true to what actually happened. Because for a to Did give really, a guy who they're interviewing at first for the job, they haven't even given him the job, and and to essentially cede that much power. To him, because I could just see the politics of these Olympic committees and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like to give him that much power and to let him just have that much carte blanche to me is kind of amazing. Just the way they were consistent with everything else in this movie, you got to think that they probably was true to form. Yeah. But the fact they even brought up, he brought in a thousand hockey players for a week and you already had a list before it even started. Yeah. Now, apparently, that part, it wasn't like all him. I did read something where. He had talked to like all these guys, college coaches and other professional coaches, and had seen a lot of film on these guys. There was a lot of that kind of stuff where he had received a lot of input from other hockey coaches about these sure. specific players. But that's also why he identified them as guys who would fit what he was trying to do. Well, and plus he knew also that he was the last option for coach because they mentioned that other people had turned it down. Yeah. So he knew he had a little carte blanche. What That's else are they going to do? That's true, too. All right, next line. Um, it goes right along with all the, what you're saying. I'll be your coach, but I won't be your friend. Right. Her. Legs feed the wolf, gentlemen. I can't promise oh, you will be the best team at Lake Placid, but we will be the best conditioned team. That reminded me of Eye of the Tiger from uh, Rocky Three. <laughs> I just I heard it so many times. Too much. Yeah, he did repeat legs feed the wolf. But like, have you ever heard that your a lot entire of life? Scenes. Uh, not until I saw this, no. Do you have any uh, lines that have been in your life that people have always been But he's also from Minnesota. He's, he's from Minnesota, right? So A lot of weird lines up there. But that was also a good – I thought that that Kurt Russell did a good job with the – Dialect. With, yeah, with the dialect and the voice. He'd say, like, Ferda, those kind of things, you know, like the, the Minnesota dialect. Don't you dialect. know? Yeah. And I, I thought he did a good job with the, with, with the voice. Yeah. Uh, he also said, looks like a couple of monkeys trying to hump a football. <laughs> Which also is close to cussing for them, probably. Yep. Herb, when they're watching, uh, w- they're with the team watching film. If you score on Tradiac, keep the puck because it doesn't happen often. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Cox, a little humor. They're going around the circle. And they're saying their name, where they're from. And he goes, I'm Ralph Cox, and I'm from wherever won't get me hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I've got when Ralph cuts, or when Herb cuts Ralph cuts. Thanks for giving me your very best. I thought it was just a nice kind of simple. And that was a place when Ralph is leaving where if you were going to really sort of over-dramatize this, that's a place where Ralph would have said something really sappy. You know, he would have turned and said something before he left. Or there would have been more to that. But, again, I thought they left it where they didn't go over the top with a lot of that. Yeah, he could have turned around and said, Coach, finish off this miracle. Exactly, exactly. Like throw the name in or something. Right. Yeah. Just go beat him for me, Coach. Yeah, win one for the Gipper. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't they kind of allude to him earlier? Because he says to his wife, "How can I cut this guy? He's done everything I've asked." Right, and that's obviously what they meant. Well, was and this... it was it was personal for him, and and they they obviously played that up because of the fact that he was one of the last guys cut for that sixty team. That it was right, and that and that's that's what I found interesting. Not not just interesting, but but what I liked about it was here's this guy with this really rough exterior. But I think part of that goes back to those personal things that had happened to him. And even though to these guys he wasn't going to have this close relationship, but that didn't mean that he didn't still feel something with, with right. what was going on with these guys. It still meant something to him. Yeah, uh, kind of going along with that when he's with Jim Craig and he said, what, do you want me to take the test? Is that what you want? Right. And he says back to him, no, I want the player that wouldn't take the test. Right. You know, that's right. kind of. So he he sympathized with them, or well, he he knew the strengths and how to get it out of yeah. the players. Yeah, and that's I think which he is w- a good leader, good he, coach. He was talking to Craig, and I might have this written in here someplace. He was talking to the assistant Craig about the test, and he he said I gave those guys that test to find out just how far I could push them. Right. It wasn't just an arbitrary test; it was to find out what exactly ticks. what they're made of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, also, with Craig, when he's talking about getting, he goes, I can't remember what led up to it, but Herb just got reamed or something and he's walking through the locker room he's like yeah Jim I think I'm gonna pull you he's like what that's my net and he goes they just scored 10 goals right now that's everyone's net that was next on mine yeah <laughs> right now it's everybody's net I love that one <laughs> that was like the uh the best witty retort that Herb had in the whole movie <laughs> yeah well I can't remember I'm, I wish I wrote it down but something had set up that scene that you knew he was already pissed right and then that was just the first person he saw yep well, and then there was the other yep. one, Herb to Aruzione. You worried about your own game. There's plenty there to keep you busy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what I didn't realize because again, Aruzione scored that goal, and more than anybody else on that team, Aru- maybe it was because of the Italian name Aruzione. It was so unique, and the fact that he scored that goal against the Soviets. But he has become the most iconic, well-known player on that whole team. And so to kind of find out that he was sort of a punching bag who really barely made the team himself really sort of adds to this underdog thing. Well, they even said in the tryouts, like, you're Zoni, he won't make it. Don't, right. Because I said something like, oh, he's here? Why yeah. is he here? Don't, like, don't worry, worry about him. He's not making it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another Herb Brooks kind of witty line was, the whole, well, it's a whole scene, but one line in particular, a bruise on the leg is far from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get him to come back in the game. Right. Which was that wasn't OCU. that was the one that was uh that was the one where he goes into the bench at the intermission when they're trailing Norway I think their first game mm-hmm. is that the one where he's getting yeah. them all riled up yep. and basically turns yep. them all against them yeah and they go out there and tie it yep and then I I'll just say the other line from that same scene is they're all like screaming and getting pissed and he walks out and he goes that'll get them that'll fired get, up yeah and then the other coach says I'll clean this up. <laughs> Uh, in the in the game against the Soviets, Herb says, "Boys, they just put the best goaltender in the world on the bench." Yeah, after they benched him after one period, they had given up two goals. The Soviets. Yeah, and that second goal, I guess, was pretty sloppy. So yeah, but still, yeah. Herb, the USA chants are going on. Listen to him. That's what you've done when he, you you know getting them trying getting to get him fired up because at that point they were down or tied or. Yeah, I think it was going into the third period. They were down three to two, maybe. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? I'm out. I just got the play your game when he was on the bench, and I remember seeing a documentary. And it might have been in the making of, because I've got the DVD, shocker. But the cool thing about having it is there's the movie is on one disc, and then there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on the other. Insider material. Well, they had 280 yeah. miles of film. Yeah, so. that's, that's very true. So, But they did... Uh, you know, interviews with the real guys, and and that was true to form as well. Where Herb was in that time when they're up four to three, and they're milking that last eight minutes or so, he just kept saying, "Play your game, play your game." You know, trying to keep them on task, and they had those quick line changes, like thirty to forty seconds until like stuff. a minute to go or whatever. Yeah, and you know he was emotional, and he wanted it just as bad as the players. Oh, yeah, and that's so they show that at the end, and that's. It's funny because I just watched the TV final call, not the movie, but the actual, like the last minute and a half or something like that this morning and saw some of the extra TV footage. And one of the shots they show 
while the while the players are going out and celebrating on the ice, they pan over to the bench and you see Herb walk into the tunnel from the ice. He leaves right, right. away. That was real. And that's when yeah, he goes back and he's by himself and, and he's just doing the fist his punts fists and, and crying yeah. and Yep. So that that really and my final line from the press conferences when he won't let the players speak, the reporter <laughs> asks, How do you respond to those who feel you're just doing this to keep the spotlight on yourself? Yeah. And then he just stares at him. <laughs> yeah. And then the next time it's the assistant coach. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, even the the last the la the way that he kept making eye contact with the Russian coach I thought was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So that was his good his acting. Big bushy eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> at one point he's playing with them <laughs> right. in the movie. I don't know if that was where that came from. Oh man. All right. Favorite scenes? I mean, I'm not going in order here, but obviously the end of the movie. Do you want to do you want to just go with the speech? Do you want to lead with the speech? Sure. Do you want to l- do that first? Um I mean a great scene, I guess, and let me see if I can find my notes on this. The pregame speech, great moments are made of great opportunities. And again, I don't know that it's completely word for word, but at the same time the players say it's very accurate. That it is very accurate that that a lot of those points were hit and that's I you almost wonder like with that kind of stuff is just the way that they're sort of retelling something like that did they actually have a camera in the he probably wouldn't have allowed a camera no there's no way he would have but I mean that was you you know you were meant to be here tonight if we played them 10 times they might win nine just just a great when like when that starts this is one of those that I've seen so many times that I'm I'm reciting it right along with him as he's doing it. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. So in your life, do speeches really motivate you that much? That's a good question. A, a, lot, a lot of coaches would say that that it's all just window dressing. And then when, Coach speak. when the stuff hits the fan... None yeah. of that stuff really matters, and, and I can see that. Like you might get none, motiv- of, my, none you of my coaches ever, ever gave us speeches, so maybe I appreciate a good speech. I never had a good speech from a coach, you know? Huh, that's surprising. Not even <laughs> when you messed up. I assumed you got lots of those. That <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't know, like it makes you walk out of the locker room with a purpose, but then you get, once the game starts, it's the same game you've played, and it but, comes down to executing a play. You're not thinking of the coach's speech in the third quarter. But I think that with this... Because of the way he delivers it, it's not fire and brimstone. Right. He stays true to who he is, and it's very matter of fact, but it's, you know, there's, because again, this has been an adversary to an extent of these guys, as we just talked about, how he would use some of his own vitriol or whatever you want to call it, acidic tongue, to turn these guys against him. He was completely fine being their enemy if it brought Galvanized them together. Them. Yeah to do their thing. And so this sort of flips that where 
he's actually giving them some positive affirmation where he's saying some very positive things. Tonight, we are the best team. We're the best hockey team on the face of the earth tonight. And he's giving them that belief to go out there on the ice and do their thing. Doesn't it kind of sound like the speech from Remember the Titans? Or like when he's um, out there and he's like, make him always remember the night that they played the Titans. Yeah, that was a little bit more over the top, though. Yeah. Right? I liked it. No, I did too, but it's but it's yeah way more over saying. the top than it's, this one. Yeah, because this was over the top for him because he wasn't that type of guy. Yeah. He wasn't a rock. I don't want to say way more, but it's he it was, wasn't a rock. It, it was more yeah. important to the story. Yeah, exactly. All right, the other scene. Yeah, that I wanted to get to again. The pivotal scene is yes. So they're in Norway after the game. Get a whistle. Get on the line because the players are. Checking out girls in the stands. They're not focused. They tied this Norwegian team 3-3. Three to three. Now, this is the one, and maybe you've heard the same thing. I have always heard that this never happened. Have you ever heard that? No, it did not. I had always, well, this so, is what I had heard. So this is the jersey scene from Rudy. <laughs> well, this is what I had heard, that okay. it was the jersey scene, essentially, if you right. want to draw the analogy. But... In researching for this podcast, because that's what I wanted to, I Googled, you know, things like fact versus fiction, sure. miracle, you know, whatever, and tried to dig. And there's some stuff on IMDb that talks about some different things. But I came across a pair of different articles and one with some quotes from Mike Ruzioni. So this scene did happen. The entire thing took maybe 45 minutes compared to like they probably like if you pieced it all together it's probably at least an hour and a half wouldn't you say yeah like that this scene the, is the montage to be, yeah yeah where he keeps making them skate and and the, the you know the guy turns out the lights on the ice but here's the quote they called them herbies yes apparently i heard that and sometimes hockey players are referred to them suicides and here's the quote from michael ruzioni we named them after our coach because we love them so much <laughs> her brooks said they would skate Again, if they perform the same way the next morning. Well, the next morning they beat Norway 8 nothing. According to Aruzioni, the reason they skated that night was not because they didn't win. It was just because of, of their overall mental attitude. But I had heard these whatever through the grapevines that this scene never happened. Apparently it was maybe dramatized. You know, sure. Obviously it was dramatized a little bit more. But this, it actually did happen, and I had always been under the impression, just until yesterday, researching this, that, that this was a completely made-up scene. But that is not the case, that suicide, skating the suicides actually did happen. It just was a little over. I thought, I, I think I might have read the same thing, that they actually did it, but that it wasn't, they weren't, like, dying on the ice. and Well. But he said in that scene, this But they're going to be tired after playing a full game. And then you're doing you're doing those suicides, herbies, whatever you want to call. Now, them. if they were as lackadaisical as they were looking, <laughs> well, that's true too. Since he obviously didn't feel like they gave any effort, right? Yeah, he said uh, this cannot be a game of common men because that's not enough. You have to be uncommon, right? During that scene, and that's also now Aruzioni. I couldn't find any comments about this. Was maybe that maybe this is the thing that didn't happen? The Aruzioni saying. That Mike Ruzioni played for the United States of America. Winthrop, Massachusetts played for the United Winthrop, States of America. Yeah, because yeah. that was the recurring theme in practices whenever he would ask guys, "Who do you, right. what's your name, who do you play for? And they would always say their name, but they would say their college that they played for. And then this was the point where Ruzioni stops the bleeding, essentially, by saying, I'm Mike Ruzioni, Winthrop, Mass, played for the United States of America. Which brought everybody together. Yeah. But uh, the the skating... The Herbies, the suicides after the game against Norway actually did happen. And it was uh, an empty arena. Like, the way they depict it is, like, their crowd is still crowd filing out. crowd still there. The yeah. guy that was head of the Olympics or whatever, he yeah. was still in attendance. None of that part was real. Okay. So there were parts of it that were made up. Yeah. Which, he came back out. They didn't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Other scenes, not nearly as pivotal. I, I just I, I appreciated the scene. Toward the beginning where Herb's playing tabletop hockey with his son. Yeah. A little little game. I thought that was cool. Craig and the trainer in the car talking. Herb has a reason for everything he does. Maybe if they all hate him, they won't hate each other. Right, which is which true. Sets which up is what he was going for. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, the team celebrating the holidays. I, I know didn't happen because of they yeah. bought him a whip. The whip. And they bought the other guy a plastic whistle. Right. The assistant coach. thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. 
the uh, practice montages, the what you know, again, the what's your name, who do you play for, all that stuff. A lot of hockey in this as well, which I always like. Yeah, I mean, there were very few scenes that didn't include something because even even the the off ice stuff. He's right. either watching film or they're talking about hockey and how they're putting the team together. And then just to accelerate here, uh, the pregame speech versus Russia or USSR in the last one. Al Michaels is really good at his job. Oh, he always has been. Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's another thing about Al Michaels that he he had, he had never done hockey before the Olympics, really? before this Olympics. Yeah. Well, it's like you and said. He has the most iconic hockey call ever. Sports call, arguably. Arguably. Yeah. And well, up there with Havlicek steals the ball. Yeah. I mean, what else is there? Bird stole the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Another Al Michaels. He did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I always think of Bob Costas, and he's a little too over the top for me. So it's nice to hear Al Michaels actually little waxing. Roller up along first. Yeah, it gets well, through Buckner. Oh God. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's that's here still, comes night and the Mets win it. That's still a little yeah. niche, I think. We'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah, that's pretty Kirk good. Gibson. Yeah. All right. So there's a, but I mean, I think Miracle is bigger than all those. I think so too. I can't think of any that are. Yeah, it's hard off the top of your head just to well, like start some of those off. some of those boxing calls. Down mm-hmm. goes Linson. Down goes Frazier. Or down goes Frazier. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's that a big one. There. Yeah, that was uh, Howard Cosell. Down mm-hmm. goes Frazier. Which he? That's a whole different story. <laughs> well, I was gonna say Cosell was mixed up with all of them, and they were all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I got the Coneheads. Yeah. They come into the office, pass, shoot, and score. Pass, shoot, score. Yeah. <laughs> and then Herb doesn't know what the Coneheads are. Of course, Dan right. Aykroyd, Gene the, Curtin, Saturday Night Live. And Craig says something like, oh, they must be off your radar. radar. So the Coneheads are coming in. Who? That's what the guys have been calling them, you know, because, uh, well, they're a little, you know, like the Coneheads. What's that? Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin. Yeah, I guess it's off your radar. Come on in, boys. Want to see us, Coach? Yeah, I'm uh, thinking about keeping the three of you together on the same line. Everybody okay with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. How about you, Buzzy? You think this works with Bob and Pepper? Yeah, it's going good. Moving the puck well. It's just a little different playing with them, you know? Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. We just seem to always find each other at the end of the ice and make things happen. Yeah, pass, shoot, score. Pass, shoot, and score. Well... All right. I'll see how she goes. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Great. Nice go, boys. Take it easy. Rest up. Well, looks like we're taking a line of cone heads to Europe. Yeah. But then he references them later. Well, well, which is funny. But also, well, because that's what they got the nickname, the cone heads, right. after this. But then Craig also is kind of hinting, like you know, you're you're riding these guys too hard, but he's not saying anything, and and so. Herb says, anything on your mind, Craig? Or is that just a little bit too far off my radar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, a lot of witty comebacks. But that's when he was talking about he had him take the test to find out how mm-hmm. far he could push him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not really a scene, but at the end of the movie, they showed what all of them do for a living or like what happened to them. Yeah, that was that. cool. That was cool. It was really neat. Man, they were all successful. I know. Like they were all was doing like one or two guys who were kind of didn't really filled out titles that maybe they didn't but yeah yeah exactly that's, and that's also like what and i thought it was funny that one of the guys is an oral surgeon yeah so from being a hockey player to an oral surgeon but they played they played the aerosmith dream on mm-hmm. in that which i thought was a cool little touch and it, i i thought about it i kind of wish they would have worked like some more contemporary music in like from place. the 80s or like yeah. 1980 or yeah it, Journey. Like journey, I was going to yeah. say. I mean, yeah. that would have been right up your alley. Right? Then it makes them out rush more. Maybe it <laughs> That's all it yeah. needs. There you go. Maybe it would have cost too much to get the rights if they had done that. I don't know. But I Probably. thought that was a good touch playing that at the end. But isn't it ironic that one of them becomes an oral surgeon with all the teeth problems hockey Very players? True. Very true. Do you have any other scenes? Uh, let me see. When they I bring got... in Timmy from Minnesota, yeah, we get the story about that's kind of when we get Herb's backstory. And everything to come that close and get nothing. We find, you know, he'll do whatever it takes. And, and again, he has no intention of taking him. Yeah. He's just doing it to make them all on the same side again. Right. And so they're getting ready to get on the bus, and he's like, this better take two minutes. <laughs> You're Which, wasting my time. Because that's how long a penalty is <laughs> yeah. in hockey. He sounds a little bit like, when you think about it, he sounds a little bit like John Gruden, yeah. maybe, who's also a Midwest guy. But, yeah, so they, they confront him, and, and they're like, you know, look. It, this guy, this guy, you can't just bring him in. You've been preaching about family, and we're a family. 
you know? And it worked, but you almost wonder if he did it so many times. Like, they're already a family. They're already a unit. Mm-hmm. And then he's still trying to, like, get them against. Still trying to, yeah. So, Do you think it was a ploy, or do you think he was really serious about bringing this guy in? I think I think it was a ploy. I think he was so meticulous. He almost was outthinking himself, though. Maybe so. Um so it's like about, he knew that they probably needed something else really right. to push him over the top. Well, even but. that injured player to get him to come off the bench, that was just to get him all fired up because they were playing flat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two scenes that they booked specifically for this film. The first one is, uh, I wasn't really paying attention, but the way that McCallahan was taping his hockey stick in the locker room before tryouts. Right. And then again, they do that in the At Soviet. The end. Yeah. I didn't really catch that one, but one that I did, the other one was... Uh, they play the USSR in the exhibition, right? And they're skating up for the first face-off, and the guy from America, Mark Johnson, right, and the Soviet guy lock eyes. Mark Johnson looks up, and he looks down at the ice, and then he broke the stair first. Mm-hmm. And then in the third period of the last game, he's got that steely. They both look at each other, and the Russian actually looks away first, right? Which is kind of a cool, yeah, moment. Yep, shows how much they had changed in a short amount of time. Yeah. And the- a week, two right. weeks. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> My last one is just when the, the the Russian coach doesn't know what to do. He doesn't pull the goalie. Yeah, he's like he's not pulling Michigan. He doesn't, doesn't know, know what, what to do. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that and that he, is I mean, weird. Think about it because they had dominated for so long. That's something he had never had to think about before. Right, but wouldn't I don't. How can you not see that coming? I know that's crazy. I mean, you've still been around hockey enough that yeah, it's like you should, should know. Be on, was that just a little off his radar? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't realize before this that USSR had beat America in basketball. In 72? To that end their Stole streak. the gold. Yeah. Yep. So this is kind of redemption. We don't talk, it's funny. They don't talk about that basketball game nearly that's as much. Weird. Yeah, that's very true. I was going to say it's weird that they don't make a movie about it. But I guess, you know. But that would still be an interesting story because of the way that the, the gold medal was supposed to have been stolen away from the U.S. There's an imbalance play that was real yeah. controversial I was right. reading. Exactly. And there are some prominent future NBA guys who were, were playing on that team. That documentary you were talking about, that 30 for 30, is a really good one on the that kind of gives the Soviet side of things. It humanizes and, and, them. Yeah. The players, not like, the I regime. Hope that, I hope that since we're so close to this 40-year anniversary that, that that comes out sometime this week because I like to, when some of the old 30 for 30s, show up i like to record them and be able to kind of watch them that that's that that was a good one yeah espn plus has all of them just go ahead and spend yep. five bucks a month yep exactly and then uh i didn't realize also that ussr got the silver because of the even in metal play yeah they both was, had to play again still but it, like i thought it was that's true i i didn't think about that they i did. thought it was they were playing for third and even if america lost to was it sweden whoever fit norway i don't remember who it was but if they had lost, I thought they would get the silver. But it could have been that they would have. Keep going. Because they went on to. I kept reading They had to play some, Finland. Two, Finland, two that's what it was. Yes. And if they had lost to Finland. It was one of the Scandinavian countries. Then all three of them would have <laughs> tied for the same record. I don't know how you would have determined who had the gold. Yeah. Because it's like a pool play even for the championship. Yeah, let's not weird. let's not get in the weeds on hockey, Bobby. Well, I just let's stick with let's just stick with jingoism, okay? Yeah, <laughs> it's a little off my radar. <laughs> All right, any casting changes to make? No, yeah, no, I don't think you can because again, you've got one really known, well-known actor, Kurt Russell, a couple, you know, a handful of other professional actors, and then a bunch of hockey players that nobody knows anything about. I think Kurt Russell was the perfect guy for this role. Yeah, you can't really recast it. He even looked like him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mannerisms, voice, as we talked about the whole thing. Anything that bugs you about it? Yeah. It's so small, and I almost hate saying it, but I got... Either you should have developed... we'll talk to you next week. What? Either develop more (laughs) with the wife and the family, or just don't have them in there. I think you needed to see that side, because you see what he's sacrificing to to chase this this goal, this dream, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but he was never really thinking about it. It was just... But but I think it's appropriate yeah. because the the fact that they're not a bigger part during that sure. stretch they weren't a really big you know part of his life and you don't you didn't have cell phones you didn't have FaceTime you didn't have any of that kind of stuff where you could keep in touch I mean it was all if you're lucky you get a payphone before you jump on the bus and you can't talk you know you can't talk on your phone on the bus so it was a big deal. 
back then that, that you were to be gone for that period of time and traveling that much. Okay. How much were they it? traveling? The Olympics were in New York. Buses, they played planes. They played I mean, ten games. They were on before. that tour. I mean, well, it was it was the summer before seven the games months. that this whole process started. Seven right? months. It's a lot. Okay. It's not just leaving your dog at home. I'm. It's okay. <laughs> I don't really have much that that bugs me. Yeah. Personally, I can't. Th- I real. I, I honestly think they, couldn't think of anything. I think they used a perfect amount of the last game. Like, it wasn't so much you felt like you had to endure the whole game, but it wasn't so little that it almost was, like, breezed over. I like the importance. I mean, that's what the whole thing's about. But I think what would have bugged me is if they had done some of the stuff they didn't do, which is try to be too schmaltzy and and sappy with it. I thought it was just the right amount across the board. I thought they did it as close to perfectly as you could. I agree. All right. Kevin Costner? Could have – I mean, what – I thought he could have been like maybe one of the Olympic guys. I or thought something. the assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, that might not have been bad because maybe he's he's probably too big a name though right. to be the assistant. But I mean, where else are you gonna put him? Because there's not really a lot of polished parts in this movie. Yeah, you know, uh, you're not gonna put him as Herb Brooks. No, he couldn't have been Herb Brooks. Could he have played like the goalie? <laughs> too old in 2004 to have been a player. Well, I mean, when same did... with the Rock. The Rock. There's no place for the no. Rock in this, right? No. Nah. He couldn't be like the older Olympic Committee guy. <laughs> you know, maybe, I think either one of them, maybe, you know, maybe Custer could have been that the yeah, Olympic sure, Committee right. guy who kind of tags along and stuff. But again, that's not a, a very big part of right. Kevin Costner. I mean, The Rock could have been one of the Russians, maybe. There you go. <laughs> one of the big, because they showed how Kevin big Kevin Costner they were. could have been the Russian coach. There they go. Yeah. yeah with the eyebrows. <laughs> I noticed the eyebrows, too. Those were horrendous. Yeah. Maybe they could have, uh, nah, I don't know. I was going to say. A different TV reporter or something, and Kevin Costner could have been the the reporter. I don't know. Or they could have like glorified one of the teams they played earlier and had them be a coach on that. Yeah. All right. So that is it. Holds up over time, I think. Right. Oh, absolutely. Period. I think piece, it always obviously. will. Yeah, and I, I think the story greatest does. sports story of all time. Greatest true sports story of all time, probably. I would agree with that. See, all Mount the, Rushmore. Well, there you go. No. For for Is stories, the, sure. So you definitely put it in the Mount Rushmore of greatest true stories. Yeah. True sports stories. Yeah. Then you start thinking about how greatest many. Greatest Olympic. <laughs> yeah, greatest Olympic hockey story from 1980. Right. But how many sports stories are true in movies anyway? So I guess that's kind of not fair. Yeah. All right. I don't know what we're doing next. We'll get it figured out. Probably. We haven't even talked about it because we've been kind of. Gearing dangling. up for Miracle. Yeah, for we've been dangling Miracle for so long. We've finally months. done Miracle. I'm yeah. glad we did it, though. Did you? I, I enjoyed yeah. it quite I would have. I like watching that movie anytime it comes across. One of the very, very few things you will hear us completely agree about. I'm sure that we're going to shift into some baseball here pretty soon because pitchers and catchers are reporting now. Like you said, we're going to save Miracle or Miracle Major League. I've got the. Yeah, we're going to do Miracle again. We're going to do Miracle again. We're going to save Major League for around the time the baseball season starts. So that's a couple months or so away. But it's almost there. Some more. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're not running out of movies yet. Coming. Eight Men Out. That's a good one. It's not. That is a good one. Yeah. That's. I would imagine with spring training starting that all of those are going to be popping up, whether it's MLB Network or someplace else. Well, I kind of disagree with you. This is. The winters when they air all those movies because they have nothing but Phil. Yeah, Once but you get to spring training, they just they air game after overnight? game. Yeah, that's I don't I don't like it when they air the spring training games as much as well. NFL does that too with yeah, preseason. That's true, but there's more spring training games. Yeah, there's not every split squads day, yeah. every day. Yep. All right, two guys talking sports movies. We will talk to you next time.